Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me is a very special guest. She was on, uh, she's sort of an all-star. I mean, she was on our Jesus Christ Superstar episode, and she is still a New York City-based actress slash singer slash improviser. It's Diana D. Costanzo, everyone. Woo! Yay! Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, I mean, we had such a great time talking about Jesus Christ Superstar that I was yes. like, let me know when you want to come back and you were, and you picked this one out of all of them. Of well, everything. this was like, I had two things in mind originally and Jesus Christ Superstar was one of them. And this was sort of like the second choice anyway. So I was like, yes, let me talk about both. All right. So we're talking about the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, season four, episode 13, the Nightman Cometh. Mm-hmm. It was written by Rob McElhenney, Glenn Howerton, and Charlie Day. Did I say his last name right? McElhenney? It's I just recently learned it's McElhenney. McElhenney? McElhenney? McElhenney. I think that's actually it. McElhenney. Um, the music and lyrics. It took me a while to find out who actually wrote the music and lyrics. Because Wikipedia, at the top of their page, credits Charlie's character, Charlie Kelly. And I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> Give me a real people. So it was Charlie But didn't he, he wrote it, the music, right? He did, as well as Cormac Bluestone. I don't know who that okay. person is, but good for them. Um, the episode was directed by Matt Shakeman. Shackman? Shakeman. Shakeman. I don't know last names, and this is a running theme. On it. Let's I'm... just go with first names. Oh, good old Matt. <laughs> that director Matt. Matt. Oh, Matt S. You did a, such a great <laughs> job. Uh, it premiered November 20th, 2008. So Good year. And according to IMDb, <laughs> Charlie stages a rock opera based on his song Nightman and recruits the rest of the gang to help him with it. So some fun facts about this. I've never seen the show before. So I just watched this episode. No context. So I think this I think this episode of the podcast is you just being like, this is what happens on the show. Well, that's <laughs> such a different perspective because one of the things I like about this episode, like there's a few little fun Easter eggs that get thrown in of like, you know where these characters are coming from. Oh, this person has this quirk, this person has this quirk. And the biggest uh, gift of all is that the song Dayman has appeared before, was written in a previous episode, I think in season three. I actually went back and rewatched that episode too. <laughs> yes, uh, I, read a, I read about that. Um, well, the Nightman was mentioned in season three where Charlie says that he was raped by this person. I think I was reading it saying that he was huffing spray paint out of a sock. Yeah, so why don't I? I'll, I'll, it's a little. That first part was a little misleading. So let me let me catch you up with where that song okay. came from, because <laughs> there's an episode in season three um, where the gang kind of wants to start a band, 
And they're like, yeah, let's do this. And Mac and Charlie and Dennis or Mac, Charlie and uh, Frank kind of get into it, but they're all doing their own thing. Frank's just like wailing on the drums. Max just wants like a cool electric guitar. And Charlie, who is actually like the actor is a talented, like like piano player and it's like songwriter, et cetera, has this total different vibe, wants a very like Bob Dylan-esque vibe. So they're just like not getting together. Charlie gets kicked out of the band. They bring Dennis in. Dennis wants like glam rock, like wears this very tight fitting silver suit Jesus. that we then see in this episode. And eventually he gets kicked out too. And so Charlie in the band had written this like nightman kind of song where it was like dark and weird. And they're, um, and they're like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So he goes to his apartment. Dennis is annoyed that he got also got kicked out of the band. So he goes to Charlie's apartment, finds Charlie in this darkened room, huffing spray paint, which like Char- <laughs> is one of Charlie's like recurring thing. Like he has this silver like ring around his face because he's like huffing glue and paint and stuff and dennis is like uh and charlie's like huddled over his keyboard just like writing and into this whole like nightman thing and dennis is like let me take down these like curtains that are blocking the light let's kind of and he realizes oh the day man could fight the nightman and they kind of tag team making up this song um and dennis gets his glam rock moment with the ah and uh <laughs> it's very much like Man, fighter of the uh nightman champion of the sun you're a master it's like very tag team and then they really get into it and they're like Man, so they decide to because they're having an event at the bar where the bands are gonna play and uh basically it it doesn't go it doesn't go over well like they get really into it they're doing the choreography um but that's where this grew out of so it it is a song that is a fan favorite i can say i've been a fan since day one when i randomly happened to watch the first episode the day it aired on tv and thought it's pretty good i'll keep watching this show and i've been watching it ever since um so it was very yeah go ahead i'm just a little confused because I'm not about the your explanation. Your explanation was great. It made total sense. The basis of the show, though, and doing some reading about it, they were using things, words like devise and improvisation. So is this all improvised, the show? No, I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of improv moments within scripted things, but uh, I, I believe it is scripted. Like, there's definitely a like this scene is happening then this scene and within it i'm pretty sure there's a rough script i don't know the level of improv i know there's some but i i don't believe it's uh, it's like curb your enthusiasm level of the writers of the writers of this episode rob glenn and charlie they're all in the show right yeah so so the people who play dennis mac and charlie are the creators and writers of the show in general so they're the same people so that's probably why like their process to build it then is kind of fluid when they're like acting in it Uh, so when they when they say devise it it's not like the five of them devise it it's that the three guys think about it and they like build and work on everything because the woman who plays d and Mm -hmm. um what the fuck is his name frank frank yeah 
but Danny DeVito, that's it. They're yeah. <laughs> not, I, Danny DeVito is not like really an improviser, right? Like he's not, that's not what he's known for, would you say? Right. He's known for, uh, I mean, his, his fantastic acting in so many roles and being just so Danny DeVito, a highlight of his career for me, just Hercules, you know? But um, anyway. <laughs> Fuck everything before Hercules. It's Hercules. But I think I've also watched, um, even recently, a bunch of bloopers of the show, too. So you can tell that there's some moments where they just try something new each take. Um, like oh, for yeah. little moments of the scene and Danny DeVito's right there with it all. And Caitlin <laughs> Olsen, who plays D, uh, I did hear a story of, like, she's not one of the main writers, but, you know, in early seasons, her character being like the only female of this group was sort of treated a little bit differently. Like, like there's three woman. guys. Yeah, there's three guys writing the show and she was sort of this like, outsider piece because Dennis and Dee are brother and sister and I had heard something that Caitlin Olsen the actor talked to them about saying hey if she's part of this group she's she's just as bad as they are like she's in the mix too and it just awakened something where they were like yeah we need to sort of shift Dee's character because we're not doing her service as much right now I mean she's a great character but yeah she becomes more and more depraved along with them as the seasons go on I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she either improvised or wrote uh, just to be clear in this episode. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, okay, so watching this episode, I appreciated it because like we've all, we've been there and I'm pretty sure you, the listener, have been there where either you've worked on a show that was a passion project for somebody or you saw a community theater production and you were just like oh no what's going on here <laughs> like not only is it bad but there's obviously a lot of tension between the cast there's like backstage drama and there's um, so much sex in it that i don't know if they meant it to be that <laughs> well that's the thing and so to give you more context with this group and what the writers say too is like these people aren't good people. Oh, this group of that. people, they are depraved and they act this way. And if anything, the waitress, like her reactions to the show is how the audience should be reacting to the show. She's never named, right? <laughs> like in the entire series? Does she ever have Never, never. Okay. But, and I don't know if you've already read this in all of your research, but if not, I love uh, sharing this little tidbit. So the actor who plays Charlie and the actress who plays the waitress are married in real life. I didn't like they're a couple. know that. And so the fact that Charlie is obsessed with the waitress and does all this throughout all of the seasons, like there's such a journey with those characters. And the actress who plays Dee and the actor who plays Mac are married with at least one kid in real life. But they play brother and sister? No, uh, Mac is the karate oh (laughs) when that i i was i I, again i had no context for this episode but i was (laughs) laughing my ass off because it feels like this episode i can't speak for the rest of the series but this episode Mm -hmm. standing alone works because you get the fact that they're all kind of garbage humans Mm -hmm. um you get that they are, are friends, like ride or die friends. And you get that Charlie is kind of skeezball. 
<laughs> yeah, he's like the most likable stalker you'll ever see on screen. I was just like also a little confused as to who Artemis is in this world. She so she pops up here or there in the show. I they're on season 14 now, so it's kind of hard for me to remember back in season four what we had seen of her. I think originally she was because Dee uh, was trying to be an actress. Like that was really her thing in the beginning. So I think Artemis was a friend of hers from like acting class or from that world who's a very dramatic woman who like feels herself. She's a great character. Um, and so <laughs> I think the fact they're putting on a show, Charlie's like, yeah, I'm bringing Artemis in just this other <laughs> secondary character i just love that you see him at the beginning in the cold open where he's like i wrote a show and it's all like piles of crumpled up paper <laughs> and a file of facts or something and then at that first rehearsal he's like i had artemis write it write it into real words that's <laughs> one of my guys. favorite like i said like little things that we've seen in the past that come into play here so they really build upon the idea in the show that Charlie is fully illiterate. He cannot <laughs> write. Like when you see when they were in the, uh, in the band, um, he had the song Night Man. He presented to them. It's like photos or like drawings, drawings. of like, <laughs> like sun turn arrow man. Like <laughs> it starts, I think season one, there's a scene where they're going to scope out something at a, a rival bar. And so there's a door that they're uh, looking at like oh maybe they're like behind that door so charlie goes hey you see that door over there the one marked pirate and dennis is like well i see a door marked private uh is that what you're referring to and that's where we get to see that uh charlie can't read at all or write um and it gets just more and more ridiculous as the seasons go on so when he comes out with all of those papers i'm just like there are so many drawings there there are no words on those papers there are doodles upon doodles but then you've got (laughs) i'm sorry this is just this i appreciate you know what thank you for making me watch this i will watch the the series now because you've got uh, in this episode i count i found on imdb they said seven songs but i only really heard six um yeah i mean they're song segments they're not even well that's probably what i feel the magic is one of the songs and i was like i don't remember hearing anything i that feel says the magic yeah. oh maybe he kind of like improv sings when he's like getting ready to do stuff maybe that's one of the songs oh yeah because oh, can you feel the magic so yeah i think that's in it one because one of them the first one was come one come all and that's when he starts the episode going into the bar mm. and that that's him again riffing you know just be like come so on that's come a on to the generous show. definition of song <laughs> <laughs> yes but then you know you've got tiny boy which oh oh man you mean oh boy <laughs> oh boy oh boy, boy oh boy and then baby boy, baby boy. <laughs> that that one it was just like charlie as a character he's such an you got that he's an idiot because mm-hmm. you know he's like it's a metaphor and you're and you're like do you know what a metaphor means good sir well that's the thing is he's so out of that whole group he is like the most beta i will say like they kind of can bully him a lot he's like the janitor he does all the like grunt work stuff 
And it's funny to see this project that he cares so much about. And there really is an innocence to Charlie in a lot of ways. Like he truly, I believe, sees this play as, yes, this is my story. She views me as childish and I want to become a man. Like, I don't think he sees any of the subtext or the overtones of anything he's written. And that's what's so funny is that these other depraved people that he is friends with are like, yeah, it's exactly what you mean. Like the biggest misinterpretation of trying like the most innocent idea in Charlie's mind. He just wants to love and he just wants to put on this musical. Well, because I was I was also reading that when they do this verse, when they do the performance, their um the apartment that Tiny Boy or or Dayman, which one was which? Mm-hmm. They're the same. The boy becomes the man. The boy becomes the man. That's <laughs> his apartment. I that's supposed sorry, to be like just his apartment. Rewatched it again right before this, and literally noticed that for the first time today. Um, it is it is set up kind of like uh, so. Charlie and Frank share an apartment. They both sleep on a sofa bed that's pulled out. Oh like God. they have a very close. Uh, <laughs> they're such a good duo uh charlie and frank and they're literally gross humans that like eat cat food out of tins and like oh. <laughs> or that's just like one of the jokes but yeah so that apartment is kind of set up in a similar way to his apartment oh my god they're like big Edie and little Edie. oh great gardens <laughs> and of course um d's princess that works in a coffee shop is obviously the waitress who works in a coffee shop. Oh. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, in the beginning of the episode when he's, like, so excited, they're all just like, you really wrote a musical? Like, what's the catch? What's the deal? And you, I, I went with him on this journey thinking it was innocent, not real, obviously, the payoff is the joke at the end where he proposes to the waitress spoiler alert but like Mm -hmm. y'all have had 13 years to watch this episode so don't at me (laughs) yeah it's this idea of no one just writes a musical like because every episode is about some scheme or some project or something they're gonna do that episode so this one is like hey i wrote a musical great who's the mark what's what's the thing who we as max who is this versus musical versus it's like you don't just write a musical for revenge well that was actually now that you're recounting fun fact again they knew they wanted to do a musical episode and yeah. one of their first ideas was to do their bar versus another bar but as a musical so oh, very west side story very west, very west side very very that but obviously they decided on Dayman. So I had watched this uh, again, like maybe a week or so ago, and then was inspired to watch all the other episodes where there's musical stuff in it, including one random episode where they're trying to win like a best bar competition. And Charlie's like, I'm going to write the best song, even though that wasn't part of the competition. And Charlie writes this wonderful tune that's like the theme song of patty's pub that's very randy newman-esque he just gets on the piano plays it for all of them and it is a wonderful moment and then of course by the end i think he's like spray paint again and it turns into something about spiders and like a crazy song (laughs) at the end of the episode but 
I, that, that idea of maybe if they wanted to do a theme song in the bar versus bar one that never happened, they got a chance to do that. So I was doing some research on this and I've just found this little tidbit of trivia interesting. So all the extras in the audience at the performance, they had no context for, they were like me, they had no context for what was going to happen. They, they even had Artemis come out and give a pre-curtain speech. <laughs> Matt Shaken oh Shake had them do that. So all the reactions that you're watching are honest. Like there's no, ex- <laughs> except for obviously the waitresses, like hers are planned. Right. But everyone else's like bemusement and everything. Because I think if I were to see this, I'd be laughing my ass off. Like if I was one of those extras. <laughs> Just- well, I something I thought watching it, I was like, how did they sell out their show? I cannot get people to come to my shows. I, it's like, yes! tooth and nail. How did they get a sold out house? They're in Philly. It's like a city. It I mean, papered I, a lot of seats, probably. Well, it's a bunch of old people that don't even know what's going on in the audience. But there's one like random smiling woman behind the waitress that's just smiling at everything. I <laughs> love like, Gladys, by the way. Yes. Does she ever Actually, come back? I don't think so, but I watched some bloopers recently of this episode and she has a lot of bloopers. Like she was really improvising and getting some funny stuff in there about uh, whatever president it was that she was friends with, (laughs) Calvin Coolidge. (laughs) Yeah, so you already (laughs) told me about Calvin Coolidge, have I? (laughs) (laughs) The show is so smart. I didn't realize that. I mean, I've seen commercials for it over the years on FX and all that, but like, yeah, this show is really, and you can tell Danny DeVito was in every second of this episode and probably the whole series, it seems like. Well, so he wasn't in uh, season one. It was just the other folks. And then season two, I think, you know, once they were given the go ahead or I, I don't know the full story, but they brought in Danny DeVito to kind of help amp up the show a bit. And he's been there since season two. And it's a great addition. I mean, the show really has changed and evolved a lot over the years. Like, I actually was rewatching some episodes from early, early seasons recently. I was like, oh, I don't know if that aged as well. Or I don't know if that, you know, so some of the humor was just very different. Um, But I do think for the most part, they've been very clever from the beginning, especially in showing that these people are unlikable. It's not that they necessarily find certain things funny, but it's that we should hate them that they find this funny. And uh, in more recent seasons, I think there's so much care they give certain (laughs) topics and situations. I don't want to spoil more. I want you to like kind of experience the show. But yeah. So what is Frank? Uh, spoil this for me because I, mean, I have to ask, I have to ask what is Frank's relationship to the other group then the rest at large <laughs> um he's sort of D and Dennis's father and okay. I'm not gonna get more specific than that because there's storylines that sort of explain that amorphous relationship so now does each episode like build upon the last one or are they very like standalone episodes that have an overarching story. I would say they're more episodic, so standalone episodes. And I mean, the storylines and character arcs evolve. We have a lot of secondary characters that 
come in. Um, so we'll see them, you know, a couple times in a season or maybe once a season and their journeys sort of evolve. I mean, there's, if you just want some fun people to look out for is Cricket and the McPoyle twins. And okay. uh, yeah, because every time you see these secondaries come back, it kind of like Artemis too. You're like, oh yeah, there's that person that lives in the world of their... Welcome back, Miss Jeff. <laughs> their Mr. depravity. Yeah. Mr. Bud. So getting back to this episode at hand. Yes. I laughed a lot when Mac and Dennis were putting their two cents in about what they should do. It's been a while since I've acted, but like when I was, uh, when even like working backstage on shows, I've witnessed people being like, that's not what my character would do. <laughs> Talk, they would clap back at the director. <laughs> Yeah, Mac is literally deciding he wants a different role. He's like, nope, I've decided I'm changing roles. <laughs> and they literally, it gets so far away from Charlie very early on. I actually wrote this uh, wrote this down one of the times I rewatched it. I said, this musical is Charlie's Frankenstein. He can no longer control it. Yeah. But it's yeah, like this-, this passion project that they're like, nope, it's ours now. And even that's why his... Um, building him being like i'm here i'm now going up to here i like his <laughs> insanity because he's so frustrated at these people that won't just do what he says he's a director that has no control whatsoever no, no the the animals are running the zoo and then d just like writing a song in <laughs> and it cu- cuts to charlie and he's just like fuming i was like yeah i've been there we've seen that we've done it don't worry the thing that happens in theater unfortunately yeah (laughs) do you know their backgrounds the creators like were they all improvisers or theater kids Um, i i think they came more from like comedy and sort of tv like they i just kind of know the story of how the pilot was made like they kind of shot something that would become the show very cheaply just on a camera amongst themselves and really like pounded the pavement trying to get this show like seen and bought so I think they came more from like comedy acting writing like screenwriting kind of world I'm going to assume Charlie because he has all that musical talent has some sort of background in music but I I don't know because it sure it definitely felt like this episode I can't obviously I can't speak for the other episodes but it felt like the nightman cometh was so funny was written for theater folk and like obviously easter eggs for past episode but they were just a bunch of little nuggets here and there for theater people to be able to enjoy it like what we were talking about with dennis and max switching roles all of a sudden frank saying boy's (laughs) whole instead of boy's soul like and never taking the note to correct it. never taking the note to correct my well, god that's hilarious that was fucking hilarious and um i mean they're obviously very different but some of the things that go into a show like the play that goes wrong which all of us actors know when that goes wrong or that goes wrong we're also in this like oh you jumped a line no i didn't jump a line just say the line like <laughs> getting lost and just like trying to keep going like oh i'm so much better actually like breaking the fourth wall all of these things going wrong like oh someone went rogue or the piano player being like i don't see this and what's mm-hmm. happening this isn't in the music <laughs> like 
it does feed that that part of us as theater folks that are like oh yeah yeah I feel the, the, they they wrote <laughs> I, such a balance for people like for people like you basically who are a theater person that loves the show right so you were like i love everything about this episode because you put little things in there that i get find funny from previous episodes as a callback but like now you're doing it also with a theater <laughs> that's why we theater. love musical episodes they just are so enhanced and they're just in yep. some ways just not better than other episodes but they're they tend to be the favorites of series um and i will say one thing that i identified with as a theater person watching this episode is a line the waitress says when Charlie's trying to invite her to the show and she says, oh, wow, a free ticket to a play that I don't want to see. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've, we've, all been, we've all been there. Especially as an improviser, you're like, hey, I'll give you a comp, come to my improv show. No one wants to go to improv shows, even if they're good. Um, but yeah, I identified with that. Did you know that there was a stage version of this? I heard a tiny bit about it, like there... I don't know if it was done in concert and I don't know if it was done through the It's Always Sunny folks or just by fans, but I had heard it existed somewhere. So in September 2009, the cast itself did a six city tour to do a live version. Mary Elizabeth Ellis, who plays the waitress and an Artemis Pepdani, I think that's how you say her last name, reprised their roles and Rhea Perlman played Gladys. <laughs> Um, two more songs were added and obviously they beefed up the runtime. It's a, this is where I was confused because according to my source, which is Wikipedia, mm-hmm. they were saying that, um, they improvised scenes. So that's why I was just like, oh, did they, did oh. they on the show improvise? However, do you have the box sets of it or do you watch it? Do you stream it? Um, uh, I think I own like seasons one and two um and then the rest is just streaming okay well you gotta get season four because the la performance is on the box set oh my god i can't believe you're giving me all this wonderful information (laughs) i would have loved to see that live that just is exactly the kind of content i would have paid to see um so yeah i'm gonna i mean what were you doing after this what were you doing in 2008 and 2009 at the time? <laughs> I was in college. Yep. <laughs> Actually, what I will say is one of those years, it was probably around this time, maybe 2009, there was some sort of It's Always Sunny event in Boston where I went to college because I think they were trying to promote their newest season coming up. And so it was like an interactive, like just street event. Um, the cast, I don't believe, were there, but there was this trailer you can go in and Basically, like, you could record something, there was a camera, and then they would splice you into a scene with Danny DeVito. Kind of like, if you went to, like, the NBC experience, they do that with, like, late night talk show stuff, too. Um, So I still have a DVD of me and Danny DeVito in a scene together (laughs) that I have not looked at. You're always sunny. Yeah, basically. Like, (laughs) uncredited. I'm going to add it to my IMDb right now uh but yeah me and Danny DeVito <laughs> shared a screen together I will say I did recently go to before the pandemic like a month or two before there was an event for Rob McElhenney's new show um which is out on Apple TV 
called Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet, which is another wonderful show. And it has some of the same folks involved, especially like on the uh, creative team. And it's it's about like a workplace comedy uh, with people that work at a game uh, like video game company. I've heard of this. Yeah. So I got to go to a screening with my friend and meet Rob and some other folks, the guy who plays cricket and it's always sunny. So that's a wonderful show. So basically a lot of it's always sunny folks sort of gravitated to that show. Caitlin Olson, who plays D also had a show for like a season or two on, I think Fox called the Mick, which was very funny, but I think it got canceled, but she's, she's very good. <laughs> so this, Oh, it's always sunny is still going, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. There are, they, have done through season 14 and I have no cause to believe that they're done anytime soon, but I don't know if they've been filming during the pandemic. Okay. When this, and you, like you said, it just grew and evolved over time. Still maintaining that they're garbage people. Exactly. And if anything, they go further, but while also being smarter about it, if that makes sense. Like, actually, you look back at some of these early seasons, you're like, oh, they're kind of tame, like the way they're handling some of this, like, dialogue, just talking to each other, because in later seasons, it's just like, the shorthand is there from both, like, the actor and the audience perspective, so they just, like, really dive in. So do you think that an episode like this would be used as a callback um, in a later season? Yes, just the idea of the song Dayman or the idea of Dayman and Nightman <laughs> will always live on in the world if it's always sunny. Got that. They do another episode. It actually, it might've been like in the last two seasons, there was an episode, another musical episode where they basically get electrocuted while watching the whiz. And then when they wake up, they are, when they look in the mirror, they present as someone of a different race. And so it's about no. them understanding living life, like walking through life is um, not white, but also there's music and it's all based on like the whiz and that music. And uh, I will say I'm glad it wasn't necessarily done really early in their run because I think they had the smarts of like how to handle it in today's world and it was done fairly well and um the music like especially coming from musical theater like the whiz that being infused into the episode is yeah and like the nightman cometh walked so that the whiz episode could run could run you know when i did uh the riverdale episodes we said the same thing basically because carrie happened as like them testing the waters and then you know not that long ago we just did the heathers one and that one were just like that's where they were like here's our load take it or leave it so yeah i'm i'm going to recommend you watch that one next even though i, I think i'm going to watch the series recommend... like start yeah. from the beginning and then go perfect is there anything else you want to bring up about this episode before we get into sharp and flat i just think it's wonderful uh charlie's my favorite character so the fact that he got to shine and his music got to shine is just the best and i absolutely love the surprise ending of the whole show within a show where we realize the reason he wrote this is because he comes down i mean spoilers if 
if uh, listeners want They've to watch it. They've had 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he comes down on this big sun. He's all in yellow. He's like straight out of like a Tropicana commercial. And he sings, like what he has to sing is like the most complicated melody too. And he purposely made it that way. Will you marry me? So you da 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 Like he's going through all of his range. Um, and he proposes to the waitress and it's the most anticlimactic thing <laughs> because of course she says no hell no and uh charlie doesn't keep his word because he's like tomorrow we're gonna be straight back to this because uh, i didn't sign anything and in a way that's kind of what the show is is that th- as much as they try to do things nothing ever changes they're like back at square one and they'll always be this way <laughs> well it felt it felt like this was a good last season episode you know like a yes. good season finale, finale i should say because let's speak english uh <laughs> <laughs> um i mean you had an over-the-top premise him coming in reminded me of when i saw an opera it was turin dot i saw that in um where was I? I was in london when i saw it and there's this like great moment where the emp- it's set in like ancient china right and there's this great moment where the emperor is supposed to come in and everything and in their production they flew him in and he was head to toe gold and i was laughing my ass off and sure as shit i don't know if they knew if charlie i mean charlie day seems like he's smart enough to know like his references so I'm hoping he was like, this is op- my operatic ending because we're It wouldn't it. surprise me. Yeah, it's that epic. In a way, it feels kind of like, I mean, our last discussion, we talked about... Um, Jesus! The, well, the wonderful tap dance number of King Herod's song oh and how like sparkly and like surprising that was. And this was kind of that, <laughs> that but- in this show. But in a different way, because it, because it, it's a build up to it, and even I was just like, yeah. "Wait, is this part of the show? <laughs> is this part of the show within the show?" Yeah. Did I miss something? <laughs> it was Charlie's grand plan from the beginning when they said, "No one just writes a musical." <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let's get to sharp and flat. Sharp. Flat. Sharps and flats. This is the segment called Sharps and Flats. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you had no prompt, and I'm so happy you did that. I do have a little thing that I'm gonna that I add in post production, but okay. <laughs> thank you for thank you for doing that. I'm keeping it in. Um, it just came over me, just like Dee and her song. I was inspired. <laughs> As you should. You should always be inspired to justify yourself like Dee does. Yes. Because, my God. And so in this segment, uh, as always, we are going to highlight some moments. And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. Uh, what are your sharps? Um, the music in general. Like that it was about a musical and every single song, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I like the delusion of mac as the nightman so his cat eyes his karate moves when he said laughs are cheap i'm going for gasps that's 
<laughs> and then people start laughing at him. He's like, this isn't funny. Ha, 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 yeah. ha. <laughs> I love Sharp for me is at the twist at the end. So Charlie and the waitress, especially knowing that they're a couple. You know what? I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say it. And I know you're saying it in a very roundabout way. The whole goddamn episode is the, is the sharp. Yeah. Like the, it doesn't really have any misses. I mean, it gets a little like, oh, you're really going there with some of the boys whole <laughs> stuff in those scenes. But for the most part, I, for being from 2008, obviously jokes were told differently and society found humor in different things. Yeah. And it, it really shows misinterpretation that specifically Back and Dennis have in those moments where Charlie's like, no, no, this isn't it. No, stop. But like this episode didn't feel like it had a lot of misses that Austin 2021 are now like, yeah. oh, that's bad. Like it felt like this is, this was one of the tamer episodes that you were talking about. Yeah, I think it does translate fairly well. Like, you wouldn't necessarily even realize it was written in 2008, like, aired in 2008. Right. It still felt like it could be done today. Yes, the rape scene, if you will call it that, was a little much, but, like, I was also funny. (laughs) I hate to say that, but, like, the way that they do it is funny, not, like what am i saying Uh, well it's just the idea that like these horrible people are going there with this idea and it's we know that's not charlie's idea and that it's wrong and like that's yeah they're just pushing that these characters are horrible people and that's where their brain goes and part of the disconnect is like yeah normal people like us that's not (laughs) like the waitress again we are the waitress we're like oh that scene yeah what would yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that yeah if we didn't if we didn't have the waitress there i think we would have more more to say in this in the flat section but because yeah. we had the waitress there reacting like she you said, reflects the way that, what we think yeah what we think it was like okay we're in a safe space now because we're not the only ones that are a little cringed out by this well, even the troll, like, what's a troll doing there? And why does he own the boy? And why does he have to pay a, a toll? Don't and, ask questions. Like, none of, it makes, <laughs> none of it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> it really is the playings out of these delusional minds, both an innocent one and non-innocent ones. And the result is cringeworthy in the best way for like the show within the show so if the show within the show was a real show 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 (laughs) for show who would you want to play oh you want to play anyone oh uh, good question okay wait wait let me rephrase this if you were in the cast of it's always sunny in philadelphia Mm -hmm. what part would you want to play from this episode though specifically oh and like gender doesn't matter gender does not matter you could be charlie for all i care um oh i mean maybe charlie 
probably Charlie because he's my favorite and just the idea of like getting so mad at all of this <laughs> although, I mean although I do want to sing the song Dayman so maybe the Dayman too and I love the scene where he was he has to go to the door to get the gun and then the bang bang and then the like the fight the slow motion fight like but then yeah. the Nightman is, I mean, I don't have karate moves, so no, I can't do the Nightman. I would say either Charlie or the Dayman character. I'd pick Artemis, personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I sorry, I meant Gladys. <laughs> I want to be Gladys. No. I, I, I pick Artemis because, you know, I, I feel like she had some lines. She had a line, right? At least one. Yeah. She said some words. She has way bigger parts in other episodes. Right. So, but like, she's the stage manager of this episode. And I th- I think I would want to react backstage while drinking to this performance. <laughs> there was another backstage person or even, you know, just being like, Charlie, calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've changed my mind. I want to be the spot operator of the show. Because <laughs> then I'm like, I don't know what's happening, a- but I got to... <laughs> They had a spot operator. They did. They did. So that's my choice. My final answer. <laughs> Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Dayman. It's one of those things and a pop culture reference that's niche enough, but like well-known enough that if it comes up in conversation or daily life or whatever, people are like, oh, you know Dayman too? And if you sing Dayman randomly with someone that you didn't think knows Dayman, it's just You're a in. wonderful moment. And it's happened to me so many times. And then I know like, oh, you're like my people that you <laughs> know this episode and you know this show and you get it. So yes. I thought the- we tried. I um, didn't put anything down. I'm sorry to note that. You don't want tiny boy, little boy, <laughs> baby boy, I need you. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> just because i i agree with d where i'm like it sounds like i'm you're singing to a boy to a little boy to a little baby boy you want to have sex with a little itty bitty baby boy and <laughs> well that's why she needed the the correction song <laughs> to be fair though she sounded like she can carry a tune yeah um who played yeah, they all have fine voices um, yeah and like uh Danny DeVito, he wasn't really singing, but I don't think that's what his character was. I think he was not supposed right. to be singing anyway. Fine. I mean, Charlie has the best voice of all of them, especially at the end. He's like, Johnny, a matrimony. Like when he has like a rock side to his voice, he sounds really great. Like he can do these impressions too, uh, like kind of sounding Randy Newman-esque in those other uh, songs that he played in the episodes. And um Bob Dylan, he does like a great impression. Do you, okay, so with that said, do you think Charlie Day would work in like, if he was a stunt cast in like Rock of Ages? I mean, I don't know that show like at all, except that I know it's rock music. Um, I don't don't know if he has If he's he's not the lead, if he's just a role in it, just a random role in it, you think he would have worked? Um, 
I mean, not knowing the score and the range, I say, sure, throw him in because I would watch him in a show, any live show. <laughs> Hell, put him in Chicago. I see him be like Roxy <laughs> or Velma. You know what? Throw the whole cast in. It's Always Sunny does Chicago. You know what? Does Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> oh, my God. I, would... I mean, now that's a series I would watch. Just the It's Always Sunny folks doing all of these musicals. Oh, because oh Mac my. would be the phantom because he'd want the mask and like the cape and like <laughs> creepiness. Frank has to play Christine though. <laughs> Can't just give D all the women's roles. You heard it here. Danny DeVito <laughs> as, as the next Christine. <laughs> and when Broadway reopens, Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. Oh no. <laughs> Danny DeVito stars as Christine. Andrew Lloyd Webber would lose his shit. <laughs> oh my god, I'd want to see them all in Cats too. And I'm not someone who enjoys the musical Cats, but I would watch <laughs> these people. Yes, they would fuck up Cats in a good way, and, really and like more so than up. even the movie did. That's true. They would fuck it up in a different way than the movie did. <laughs> On that note. I think we've come to the end. I know. I feel like I talked more about just how much I love the show in general and these these folks, but they've been with me for like 14 years. That's fine. We had a full an hour about, about a half hour subject. Um, 30 minutes. Yeah. We did it, um, kind of. Um, Dana, do you have anything you want to plug, promote? Sure. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Diana Stasia, on Twitter at Diana Likes Dogs. Um, and also, if you want to follow uh, my two person improvised musical show, Bookends A Musical Journey, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I think most of them is at Bookends Improv because um, we're hoping to start doing some musical uh, improvised content soon so yeah stay tuned for that and then you have an album if i remember i do so um if you're on itunes or spotify uh you can look up matters of the heart and it's uh just my name diana de costanzo and it's an album i recorded um about six years ago and yeah hopefully there's new music on the horizon too but that's a great album um some of the songs are funny some are more heartfelt but it's some easy listening they're all original right i'm trying to yeah all original music by by the one and only singer songwriter diana de costanzo came out in 2014 so it's seven years old oh my god are you gonna make new music yeah, I mean, I have been. I just uh, haven't recorded it necessarily. I usually, what I do is I write new stuff and play them live at gigs, um, like over the last few years, but then never get around to recording them. So you don't have an excuse, goddammit. You've uh, you've been locked uh, in a house for a year now. Come on. I know, but I need recording equipment because that one was uh, recorded in a nice studio that cost me money and uh, (laughs) remember money (laughs) no i don't um so yeah buy my album so i can have money thank you i did i did buy your album years ago i bought it no i was saying to your listeners i have it on see look your little hippie hair and everything my hippie hair that's because i lived in san francisco at the time (laughs) 
And if you guys don't believe me that I have Diana's album, you can at me. <laughs> you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at buttersongpod. If you have any questions about Diana's album, I'll be more than happy to answer them, even though I'm <laughs> not her manager. If we spoiled this episode for you, I'm not sorry. You had 13 years, so. Yeah, you're late to the party. Get on it. Watch the show. I'm late to the party. So, like, <laughs> and if you want to be part of next episode's discussion, we're going to be talking about guys and dolls. Guys and dolls. I'll say it regularly. Yay. I was in that show. Who'd you play? Uh, like ensemble something. Hotbox girl dancer? No, I'm not a dancer. I would think I would, Oh, I think I was in like the band. You know, that like mission band. Oh, yes. Follow the whole damn straight. I no don't enjoy that show. <laughs> it's fine. It's fun. You're allowed to not enjoy things. Yeah, like it was okay to be in. Like I had fun because it was high school. But needless to say, Diana is not my guest on that episode, so it's fine. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is like, uh, I just give more girls roles. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Diana, we're gonna have to have you come back again and talk about something else again. If... Uh-huh. Oh no. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, yay! I mean, in the super future, who knows? I've got, <laughs> I've got a ton of time in my hands. I've done nothing but podcasting. So. No, that'd be great. You know what? Maybe next time, because I feel like the last two have been things that I love and cherish and know really well. Maybe we do one that I haven't seen before, and you have me watch it. You oh, tell me what to watch. No, there's yeah. so many options. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. But in the meantime, everyone be be safe (laughs) and let's go watch Nightman fight Dayman, all right? Uh... (laughs) Bye for now, guys. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.